All right, does this thing work? I didn't get the cool Britney Spears one like Pastor Bill, but someday. You got to earn that one. You know what I mean? Wouldn't it be cool if you came one Sunday and I said, oops, I did it. No, you don't. We'll leave that there. I'm sorry. I've always wanted to say that, but every time I saw him wear it, I, 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 okay. I told my kids I was going to embarrass them. I think I did a really good job. So, mission accomplished. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about Samaritan's Purse. I spent two weeks in uh, October down in uh, Baldwin County, Alabama, in Foley, in the surrounding area all throughout Baldwin County. Uh, did a lot of work. We did a lot of things. And I told in the first service that if I trusted Jesus as much as I trusted that belt that day, I'd be a much better man. That was, uh, we were trying to get in that valley of that roof, and the only way to get there was to hang over the top of it. So away I went. All right, so a little bit about Samaritans. And I also learned from the first service that I needed to write it down because I can't see a single thing back there. So I'm learning. See that? If you come back tomorrow, maybe I'll do it all right. So Samaritans first, this is uh, in, uh, from last year. But they uh, began 1998 was when they started doing the local uh, U.S. disaster relief and everything like that. And in the year, uh, in 2019, they responded to 238 disasters in the United States. 238, 50, uh, I mean, sorry, yeah, they uh, helped 50,000 people throughout the United States, all throughout. They were up here for Sandy when we had Sandy. They go anywhere in the country, California for the wildfires, wherever it is, it doesn't matter, they'll be there. 15,000 volunteers, 15,000 people throughout the United States signed up to serve and help and did 46,900 hours of volunteer service. I thought that was pretty impressive. That was in one year. I don't know what they've done in 2020, but with all the hurricanes, I guarantee it's going to be more because they've been very busy. When I was in Alabama, there were eight different sites going between rebuilds and disasters. It eight locations operating. That's a, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of people and a lot of things going on. Oh, yes, and also as part of that, they don't take government money. They're not funded by the U.S. government. They're funded completely by donations, by just people that want to help, and they're driven heavily, heavily by volunteers. At any, at any site, this was our work site. This is where we, uh, we were at the uh, Foley Baptist Church in Foley, Alabama, and now uh, took over their fellowship hall. I think at any given time, there was between 70 to 100 people on site, volunteers, and uh, four paid staff. They have one truck driver who drives the, the hauler, and then just two kind of administrative people. Everyone else is volunteers, everything else. So, I mean, you can imagine 100 people, and they were short. This was because COVID, they had hardly, they were way behind on people. So this was a small operation. So when they go in, when they roll into town, they roll into town. So I'll tell you a little bit about how it works and what, what Samaritans does and what they do while they're there. So there's two groups of people. you got the workers. You can see the orange shirts there. Those are your worker bees. And the blue shirts, there's a smaller group of blue shirts, and they're chaplains. And their whole responsibility, I'm sure you could put it together, chaplains. So they go out and chaplainize and do chaplainy things and so forth. And one of the things they did, which I forgot to mention last time, is they got an RV, and they parked it out inside of the Piggly Wiggly. And why every grocery store is not called Piggly Wiggly, I will never know, but that is a beautiful name for a store. But they park it in front of the Piggly Wiggly, and they're there just for people to drive up if they want to talk. These are people that Foley was, was hurt. I mean, these are people that are hurting, and not just because of the storm. And then they puts them out into the community. And another thing a chaplain does is when we go out to a work site, the chaplain will come to the work site and meet with the homeowner, talk to them, just listen, share the gospel with them, and just just listen. Because sometimes that's all you need. And some of the things they've been through, and I'll share some of the stories, and I'll share another one that I forgot, and 
It's, it's tough, the things they've been through. And some of it's not even storm-related. And this is just a blessing for them to have someone there just to listen, just to care, with no ulterior motive, just to hear what they have to say and share with them and try and help them. All right, that's my buddy Gordon. Gordon is a wonderful man, and I'll I tell you more about him maybe later, but I don't think I can do it again, but that's Gordon in that. Look at that, that. The guy with the beard, that's actually me, believe it or not. I know a lot of people last service, they said, oh my gosh, is that a model or something? Is he like a... I said, no, he didn't come with the picture. That's actually me. So I know that's a common misconception. I'm glad I was able to clear that up. I had so many questions last time. And this thing right here, boy, ain't that a beauty. I tell you what, you ever see NASCAR? They got the car haulers in NASCAR. That is essentially the same trailer that they have outfitted to their own uses. And uh, it's got that whole storage area there with every tool you can imagine and every tool to fix the tool. And then above that is a whole thing. It's like an attic. And in the front of that trailer, in the part hanging out the front, they got a whole office there. So when they roll onto site, they park that truck, they got a whole operation, they can run right out of that trailer, do the whole thing. I just thought that was really cool. I want one. Ellington Baptist Church, we need to get us one of those. I don't care what we put in it. We can just play with it. It's going to be awesome. This is the little vans that got a whole fleet of, it's almost like a U-Haul truck that they have outfitted again with every tool. These are the most organized people on the planet. I swear to you, it is amazing. Every tool has a place, and I put every tool in the wrong place. And it's amazing to let me come back. But every tool does have a place, I've, so I've been told. I go in and again and again. But it's beautiful. Like every work crew, you got a work crew anywhere from various unvolunteers. We had as many as 20 people in our work crew. So we'd roll up to a house, and 20 orange shirts come piling out. And it's something. It's a sight to see. And there's chainsaws and rakes, and I mean, it's just, you go to town, and it's like ants. You climb over a house, and you leave, and the yard is pristine. It's not a stick in the yard. There's a fresh tarp on the roof. It's, a, it's just an amazing thing, and it's really a sight for, I think, people outside, for the neighbors and the people driving by, and it's just, I think that's really a big part of it. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about people we served. Uh, this is one of the houses we were at. That was the one work crew. Work crew changed a lot. You know, people come and go. It's, you know, kind of a thing. But let me get to my notes, which I have dutifully made my notes. So I talked about how the system works. We'll talk about when we arrive at the job site. We all pull in, 400 cars, a caravan of cars, and an SP truck rolls up into your yard. All these orange ants come pouring out of the car. And we make the biggest, in a COVID now, so you got to say six feet apart, so we make the biggest circle you have ever seen. We actually at one time went in through Baldwin County in to just touch the panhandle of Florida and sweeped up through. It was so big. It was amazing. They saw it from space. And none of that is true. I hope you didn't believe me. But it was a big circle. And we gather around and you put the homeowner there. We talk to him. And the, uh, we have a team lead. And team leads, another thing I didn't mention, these are people that come down and volunteer and they're there for weeks, a month, two months. And they give, these are people that are retired or other things, and they just live on the floor of a church for a month serving. These are some special folks, and that's what Gordon was with team lead. So, okay, the first thing you do is you pray in, and you pray with them. And I tell you, some of these homeowners, they're not Christian people. Some of them are, some of them aren't, and some of them, you got to almost like hitch up a mule team and drag them out there. But they'll do it because you're helping, so they don't want to be rude. But it's sometimes the first time they've seen this kind of thing, or maybe they've ever been prayed for before. And I tell you what. We pray in, we pray out. And after working with them all day and spending the day with them and talking with them on that second time, they're always a lot more willing. And one of the second things I forgot to mention last time, one of the cool things they do is they present them with a Bible. 
And everybody signs it. Everybody on the work crew signs it, leaves them a little note. Tell them where you're from. Because we've got people from all over. You get people from uh, Michigan. You had a guy from Connecticut, real good-looking model-type guy from Connecticut, Kentucky, all over the place. We had a man come down from Canada. Had to cross the border. from Can- The border was closed because, you know, Rona. So we had to come in and convince him to let him cross the border because he was an essential worker because of the work he was doing. So we had folks from all over coming just to serve, to sleep on the floor of Foley Baptist. Nice church, but their floors are just regular floors. They do their best, but they're still floors. So a few of the people we met down there, one of the people I, I, it stuck out to me, the one I was laying on her roof with my legs dangling up in the air, holding on to that belt. It's a Carhartt belt, so you know it's a good one. And I was dangling down there and trying to seal up those seams. We call it a roof. It was a roof in theory. It was shingles and then floor. It was awful. It was completely rotted out. And as we, we were in her home and she had some roof damage and some ceiling, as you can imagine, had some ceiling damage and got to speaking with her and just, man, she was in a bad way. She was in a very dark place, and I won't tell her story because it's not mine to tell, but she had seen some trials and troubles and, and just was was really hurt, and you could tell it was it was sad. And as the, we spent time with her, we realized that she didn't have food to eat. And she was too proud to ask. She was too proud to go to the food pantry or to go to her church. So we worked with her, and as they got talking to her, and they got her set up with a local church that was going to help her get some food. And we took food out of our lunch and just kind of forgot it there. I don't say that because, look what I did, flutter, flutter, as goes my cape. It's what a way to be. I'm so fortunate that I've never had been in that position, but I could be at any time. And she found herself in a spot where she couldn't eat. And her house was falling apart. And she was, I mean, I, I think probably about as low as she could go. And her neighbors were the ones that actually called SP and had them come out and check on her. And I'd like to think that after we left there that she got some resources and she got some help and she knew that people cared about her because I don't think she felt like they did. In that moment, I think she felt as alone as a person could feel. But I'd like to think that things are going better. I don't know. You know, unfortunately, we couldn't fix everything. We tarped tarped the heck out of that roof. I tell you, that's the bluest roof in town. It is thoroughly covered. But hopefully, hopefully things will get better for her. We also met another woman, went to her home. It was her and her husband, older woman, and uh, she'd recently had a stroke and was in a wheelchair, had lost the ability to walk, and had just become able to talk again. And boy, was she happy. She was another one I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. But boy, she was so happy because she knew Jesus, and she loved him, and she was so happy to see us, and she loved Billy Graham because who doesn't love Billy Graham? Everybody knows who Billy Graham is, and if you don't, I'm very sorry. I'll have to tell you about him later, but I'm a big fan of Billy Graham. He's not—he—he's nothing with Pastor Bill, but he's a—he was quite a preacher. I got to keep looking at him because I don't look at somebody, I get confused. So, so there was so she was very, just so happy, and I'm thinking, what? 
everything that's gone wrong in her life, but she still saw the goodness. And she's still happy because she knew Jesus. She said, well, I'm going to get better. I'll get out of this chair. We helped pick up her yard so she can get around. She had a scooter. She'd cruise around the yard. And she just couldn't wait. She loved to talk. Talk to her. She would just, if you walked by her, it was like she was like an octopus. You got pulled in there because she just wanted to share with you and talk to you and know about you and tell you about her. And she was just such a happy person. After everything she'd been through, she was still so happy. I just thought that was special. And this one here, you can see her. I can't, but there's a lady sitting down right there. And she was from Georgia. And boy, let me tell you, she loved Georgia. And she loved Jesus. And she told us about both of them. She was so proud to be from Georgia. She was a Georgia peach. And she kept telling us that. And she was so proud. And she was another one. Been in the hospital two times since the storm. And the reason we ended up at her house, it was an emergency call. I don't know what, you know. They had us get out there right away because she was concerned that the ambulance wouldn't be able to get to her if something happened. So this is the weight that's on her. That she's afraid if I don't clean up my yard, the ambulance isn't going to be able to carry me out of here when the inevitable thing comes. But she was still as happy as could be. And both of them were just, her and her husband were just the happiest people. And they loved Jesus and they loved Billy Graham. And they wanted to talk about everything and they wanted to talk. And I don't like to talk, so I... Spent a lot of time with that chainsaw. I can't hear. And this man here. I told you about two people that loved the Lord and knew Jesus. Boy, they were just as happy as could be. And just This was on the other side. He was, uh, old, was a gentleman. He lived alone. He was battling cancer. And uh, from what I understand, the battle was not going well. He was a Vietnam veteran. He served in the United States Air Force. Very proud of his service. And one of the special things, I told you, we get in that huge circle. We got in that circle, and we drug him out of the house. He was one of the ones that needed a mule team to get him out of the house. He didn't want to come out. He finally, okay, we, we got him out there. He stands there. And we started talking to him. Until they tell us a little bit about the homeowner. They got a little, you know, they get some information. And we found out that he was an Air Force veteran, and that he served in Vietnam. And Gordon was also a veteran. His children both been in the military. We said, expressed to him how happy we were for him and how proud of him and proud of his service and thanked him for his service. And here this man stood in his front door battling cancer, starts to cry in front of all these people. And you can tell he's trying so hard to hold it back, but he was moved that we cared for him. And he felt, just like the other lady told you about, that somebody cared about him and was proud of him and proud that he served his country, proud that he served his country during Vietnam, a time that it was not popular. When he come home, there wasn't a lot of people happy to see him. But you know what? We were happy to see him that day. We were proud of him. And I'm sorry you guys keep looking at me, but I told you, you two of them are targets. You're keeping me on track. So we spent some time with him. We talked to him, and he wanted to get back in the house because it was hot. Now, i tell you something. Fall in Foley is summer in Connecticut. It was about 3 billion degrees, I think, give or take. That could be Celsius, so I may have done my conversion wrong. It might have been 3 billion and 2, but it was hot. And I was not ready. So he'd get back in the house, and then he'd come out once in a while. He'd see him come out and see how we're doing. We was doing a lot of work around. Had the skid steer come out because there was some big stuff. So, I mean, there was a lot of doings going around around this property. And one of the men on our uh, on our work team that day also happened to be a chaplain. He was just working with us. You know, he kind of goes back and forth. So he got to talking to the man, and he was also in the Air Force. So they instantly had a bond. So they was talking about this and that and talking about a service and got to talking about Jesus and talking about the gospel. And he told him, he says, you know, I have faced death six times in his life. He faced death in his military service. And the sixth time was just recently when he got his cancer diagnosed. 
And he can see the end coming. He's not a young man, you can imagine. And he's fighting cancer, and they got to talking, and he shared with them, and he shared with them the gospel, and told them, you know, told them about Jesus. And I tell you what, that man that day after, I can't tell you how old he was, but you can probably do some math and work it out. He'd spent a long time on the earth. He'd been around for a while. He's heard a few things, and he's now with them, so I'm sure he's heard about the Lord before. And he turned away and turned away. And that day, that day on his front porch, and when it was three billion degrees outside, six inches from the sun, he accepted Jesus that day. And I know that if cancer takes him home, he can leave here with the assurance that he's going to see his Savior. Something he's never had all his life. He went to war without that. And now he is battling cancer alone in the hottest place on the earth. But now he has the assurance that he has a Savior. How could that be knocked on his door? Because God put us there. God knocked them trees down in his house because he needed to give him a message. Maybe, maybe not. I think he did. Let's see where I am. See if I'm on track. Oh, here it is. This is my favorite one. Lindsay, it didn't jiggle. So that's all right, though. So just pretend that second picture went like this. Look. I think, you know, I thought I went down to Foley, Alabama because I had to clean up trees and clean up a mess. I thought I was special. I thought somebody needed me. I told you that cape was just a fluttering because they needed me down there. I had to stand up and fix things. It took me a week to figure out, well, the first day I figured out that, whew, I ain't going to be fixing much. But I tell you what, but it's about a, I was there two weeks, not middle Sunday. We get the day off. Thank goodness. We got the day off. So I had to go to the Waffle House. Because if you've never been to a Waffle House, I'm very sorry. The Waffle House might be the finest breakfast establishment on the planet Earth. And I do believe that it was brought down here by God. I may have made that up, but you can't prove it. But I love the Waffle House. So I went to the Waffle House. But turns out, I went to the wrong Waffle House. Because I went to the Waffle House and I parked in the parking lot. Waffle House is only about this big. Have you ever seen one? They're about this big, about this long. Little bitty place. And I'm sitting in a lot, whole bunch of windows, and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, this don't feel right. How a Waffle House don't feel right, I don't know. But it didn't feel right. I felt like I was in the wrong place. And I'm looking in the window, and they're looking back at me, and the cook is looking at me, the waitress is looking at me, and I'm looking at them, we're looking at each other, and then I backed up and drove away. Because I was at the wrong Waffle House. I didn't know it. I just knew something didn't feel right. So I went. Now, the beautiful thing about Alabama is they measure distance in Waffle Houses. So I only had to go one Waffle House to the next Waffle House. So I went on to the next Waffle House. I ain't kidding either. You go down there, baby, do it. You go about six Waffle Houses down there, you're going to see Billy. You see Billy, you take a left at the third Waffle House. That's the bad one. You don't go to, that's how they tell you, I'm telling you. And that was my GPS. So I go, I go to the right Waffle House. I pull in, I pull up to the counter, because you're going to eat the Waffle House, you got to hit the counter. You got to do it right, you know what I mean? So I'm at the counter, and I'm having, you know, my waffles in my house and so forth and enjoying my time just thinking this is the greatest day of my life. I have, I have reached the pinnacle and here comes in the door who I found to be the sweetest woman in the world but with the biggest personality I have ever met. I mean, she just, I could, I could just feel it filling the room. They had to open both doors up wide to get the personality in there. She was just full of life and full of everything and she was wild. And I hear her say, can I sit there? And I said, uh-oh. Because there was next to me, but the cheats were blocked off, you know, COVID. 
So she says, well, you got to ask him. And I was, She's going to ask me. Well, here it comes. She goes, can I sit with you? And I said, of course you can. Because, you know, I love to talk. You probably wouldn't know it from this very moment, but I'm not. Patty, Pastor Bill can tell you, I'm a chatty Kathy. Well, you get me going, I just go, 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 and tell you about everything in the whole world, my whole life, and everything. It's just so wonderful. Well, so she comes, so I figured, oh, boy, here we go. Okay, she wants to sit by me. Okay, so she sits down. And she gets to going. And she says, you could tell by the way she talked that maybe she wasn't right in the walk. You know what I mean? She wasn't, she wasn't uh, solid in her faith if, if, if there was such a thing. And I can spot those people because, well, I am those people, so it's easy to see them. Well, she sits down and she gets to talking and she's, you know, big person. But she's going, she's going, she's, I got my SP hat there. And she's, oh, you here with SP? Oh, yeah, what are you guys doing? Oh, we start talking about that. And I said, oh, God opened that door. He's like, here it comes. And I said, uh-oh. I said, like Peter, when he stepped out of that storm, he said, God, because I said, oh, I'm going to do it. Yes, I felt good about it. He said, like Peter, Peter said, call me out. I think it was Peter right here at the boat. Thank you. I wrote it down, but I didn't want to look because I wanted to act like I knew what I was talking about. But he says, he says, Jesus, that is you. Remember when he walked on the water? I got to build the story a little bit. I forgot that part. He, Jesus walked out of the water, just got done feeding all those people with that little boy's lunchbox. You know what I mean? He fed all them people. Then he comes on the water. Peter says, hey, man, if that's you, call me. Well, that's what I did. I said, hey, I want to do something. I want to serve. He said, all righty. Well, I stepped out the boat, and I was in the storm. And just like Mr. Peter, I got a little nervous. And a little nervous, don't say it, because about 12 hours ago I had to tell this story, and I've been sitting in that back room trying to stop my hand from shaking, because I was nervous. Lord, I tell you what, I felt I felt what he felt. I asked for this, and I was scared to death. If that's Jesus, tell him I'll get him later. All right. So he called me out, because this is what I wanted. Well, I didn't realize I wanted. So she sits down, we get to talking, boy, and we opens up, and I started feeling good. I said, woof. Yeah, man, I got my hot streak. I'm in Alabama. Number one way, man, I can do what I want. I can get on a hot streak now, boy. She's going, and I start talking. We start talking about God, because she starts talking about her family. Lord, if you'd have heard the story about her family and the things this poor woman has been through, you wouldn't believe it. I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't carry the weight that she carried into that Waffle House. And she started to peel off those layers. And I started talking about the Bible. Good Lord, you wouldn't know it. I started talking, we started talking about gospel, we started talking about church, we started talking about Jesus, we started talking about everything. Boy, we went we went from the beginning to amen. You wouldn't believe it. We went through the whole thing and we just talked and talked and I had stuff to say. I think God was feeding me the words. Because I usually ain't got nothing to say except for today. So we talked and talked and man, we was going, I was on a hot street, boy. Old Pastor Billy had been proud of me. Old Billy had been proud, boy. I was just, I felt like I was doing good. Maybe I wasn't, but it sure felt good. And you weren't there, so you won't know. I felt like I was doing awesome, man. I, and then she looks at me. And she says, I feel Jesus moving in here today. Man. That was big. It stuck out to me. Because I've heard people say, oh, Jesus is moving in here today. Well, is he? Well, I tell you what, Jesus is moving in this church today. And Jesus moving in that Waffle House. But she won't talk about the Waffle House. He might have been because it was a beautiful place. But he, Jesus was moving in her heart. She felt Jesus be moving in her heart for the first time and who knows how long. She knew he was there. She was a Christian. She loved the Lord. She did. She grew up in the church. She knew it. Her daddy brought her to church. He told me all about it. She was proud of it. But she was hiding from it. 
She's carrying all that weight all by herself. And we were sitting in that Waffle House, and we talked and talked and talked and shared, and I shared my very limited knowledge as best I could. And she finally let go of some of that weight. And she looked up from the bottom of that storm. She was down in that ocean so deep. She had starfish around her nose. And she looked up and she took that hand of Jesus. And that's in that story too. And here Pastor Bill backed me up. It really does say it. She took that hand of Jesus and he took her up. And he said, you know what he says? I got to think about it. So I'm going to stall for a minute. And I'm going to stall and I'm going to think and I'll come up with it. And you know what he says? I don't remember. No, he says immediately he pulled her out of the water. He didn't say in a second when Peter stood in that storm. You remember that? Somebody say yes. All right, there we go. I thought I was in the wrong building. So he said, stand in that storm. And Peter said, he's thinking, he's saying, oh, God. And Jesus takes him by the hand. He pulls him up. What did he say to him? He didn't say, boy, where you been? He didn't say, oh, you wasn't, what, you didn't believe me? He said, oh, ye of little faith. And he held on to him. He pulled him out of that storm in a minute. And he picked him up. And I should have read you that story, but you know what I didn't. That's my favorite story in the whole Bible. So when Peter stood in that storm, because I tell you, I stood in a whole bunch of storms in my life. And I stood in one with her that day, and we stood there together. And I got to watch her eyes open up. And I got to watch the scales fall off her eyes. And I got to see her when she realized that he's been there the whole time. And she wasn't alone. She didn't carry that weight by herself. She hadn't suffered all these things. Jesus hadn't forgotten about her. Jesus hadn't forsaken her. He's been there the whole time. He just started looking. So on a Sunday morning in Foley, Alabama, she looked up and saw Jesus again. And for some reason, God used me to help her see that. Why me? I'm the worst choice. I got to be honest. I went to the wrong Waffle House. I couldn't even get that part right. I had two choices, left or right. I picked the wrong one. But he used me. Same way he used a little boy's lunchbox. Fed 5,000 people out of a little boy's lunchbox. He went to a little boy. No, it doesn't say little boy's lunchbox, but you know, you get the idea. So if Jesus can do that with a little boy's lunchbox, and me, imagine what he can do with you. Imagine what Jesus has called you to do, whether it be serving with Samaritan's Purse, whether it be working at the Waffle House, whatever it is, he's called you for something. And it's scary. You know, I got back from that trip, and uh, that was back in October, middle October. And I don't know if you've seen a calendar recently, but it's December 27th today. It took me a long time. It took me over a month to walk up to Pastor Bill and ask him if I could speak today, if I could teach. The word is speak. I just learned it, and I'm still getting used to it. If I could speak today. Because I had convinced myself that you didn't want to hear me. That I didn't have anything special to say. That I didn't have anything unique to say. I didn't have any story that each one of you didn't have 15 of them same stories. You probably got a whole bookload of them. I do. I had convinced myself that I wasn't worth it, that I didn't need to be heard. But I tell you what, I tell you, when I walked out of that Waffle House, when me and her had that moment, I stepped out the door of that Waffle House, I was 10 feet tall. I was the biggest man in the world. I couldn't wait to tell the world. I was renting out billboards. I wanted to get on TV. I wanted to share it with everybody that would listen. I wanted to stop people in the parking lot, pull people over on the road. I, I couldn't wait to tell anybody by the time I got back to that church. I had already convinced myself, that nobody will care what you got to say. Nobody wants to listen to you. You can't talk. You don't know nothing. You're just as broken as anybody else. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you think, well, I, I, I can't do it. I, 
I'm not good enough. I, I can't. I made the mistake of uh, the church we used to attend. I, I was speaking to a person there, and uh, we were talking about online seminary. I, he was going on, and I said, oh, boy, you know, that sounds really neat. I wish, you know, maybe a different different path. I would have done that. You know, I'd like, like to teach. I'd like to, I'd like to preach someday. Forget I said that. But, I, you know, of course, I'm... And, and the lovely gentleman said to me, oh, well, you can't do that. Well, you, you, you've been divorced. You're not. Oh, you couldn't do that. Yeah, right, Caden. I'll shoot up, get out of him. And that's true. You know what? I'll never preach. I'll never lead a congregation. I'll never do a lot of things. But that ain't what God wanted me to do. He needed me to sit at that stool at a Foley, Alabama Waffle House and share the gospel with one of his hurting children. And that's all I ever need. I don't need to be anything special. I don't need a fancy title. I don't need to do things I'm not qualified to do. But when God needed me, he gave me the words. He sat me down. He fed me a hearty breakfast. And he helped me reach that woman. And I know, I tell you what, right thing right now, I know without a doubt, when the Lord blows the horn and calls us all home, I'm going to shuffle up to that Waffle House because there's Waffle Houses in heaven because like I told you, that's where they come from. I'm going to sit down on that stool and I'm going to meet my friend there. And she's going to tell me about all the wonderful things that God did in her life once she started looking, once she started listening. Now, I hope I hit all my points. I'm sure I forgot every single thing I wanted to say. And I got my Bible stories confused and my names and... But I think the point of me being here today is not the words that I say. It's to show you that you can do it. If I can stand up here and speak, Lord, anybody can. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. But I've done it twice now. And I told him in the first service, he closed the door now. I told him, I'm going to quit. I'm going to shoot me out that window and start running down the street and never see me again. Pastor closed the door. He's a smart man. <laughs> so, the only thing I ask you today, just like when she come to that Waffle House, I don't know how long she was in pain. I don't know how long she was hurting. But I know what she needed. And I know that maybe that's you today. I don't know. I know a lot of you, but I don't know all of you. And I don't know what's on your heart, and I don't know what's in your mind. But I can bet some of you are hurting. I can bet you're carrying baggage, and I bet I know you're carrying sin, and I know that you're weighted down with the worries of the world, with the COVID, with the family, with the everything. I don't know what it is. But I'd be willing to bet it's there. I heard a preacher say one time, and it made a lot of sense, and it stuck with me. That's why I repeat it as often as I can. If you're not standing in the fire, you're either walking in or you're walking out. That seems to be true, don't it? If things are going good, you know it ain't long before something's going to go bad. Seems that way, don't it? We've always got something in our lives. We've always got something pulling us down. But only because we let it. Peter only stunk in that storm, 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 only stunk in that storm because he took his eyes off Jesus. 
She only suffered, my Waffle House friend, only suffered because she took her eyes off Jesus. She knew the Lord. She was a Christian woman who had taken her eyes off Jesus and had gone down that wide road and followed the world and carried with her all that pain and all that hurt. She didn't have to do that. And I know today that she doesn't because we had a meeting in a Foley, Alabama Waffle House. And God used his most unlikely messenger, fresh off the bottom of the barrel. There must have been a shortage of messengers that day. I don't know what it was. But he used me, of all people, to reach one of his lost children. So, okay, I'm going to wrap it up here. I don't know where I'm at, but I'm going to bring it on home. And I want to ask you today, if you've got something on your heart, if you've got something that's weighing on you, if you've got pain, if you've got hurt, if you've got, if you just lost, I tell you right now, I don't know all of you. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know anything. But I want to tell you right now, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never looked at Jesus and said, call me on to the storm, call me out of the boat, let me step out to you in faith. If you've never done that, let today be that day. Let today be the last day that you walk alone. Let today be the last day that you walk in darkness. Let today be the day that you find a Savior. Don't leave this church. Don't leave that chair without knowing Jesus. This is your chance. This is your day. This is your moment. Lord God put me up here and he gave me words and I hope I spit them out the right way. It doesn't sound like it, but I'm doing my best. Because you know what? I believe it. I believe that there's somebody in this church today, there's somebody that's going to hear these words, whether it be today, tomorrow, or 200 years when the aliens dig it out of the hole, that needs to hear these words. That Jesus loves you, and he wants you, and he's waiting for you, so don't be afraid. If you feel him tugging on your heart today, answer that call. Step out today. And if you think, gosh, boy, he sounds like he's talking to me, I am. I'm talking to you. I'm talking just to you. I came here today for you. I went to Alabama for you. I sat down and read all this to you. I made this cannon fodder of notes for you. I did this for you. There's one, if it is one, I did it for you. Because Jesus did it for you. We're going to pray here in just a minute. And I want you, if you got burdens, if you got sin, if you got hurt, I want you to leave it right here today. Don't walk out the door with it. Leave it here. Give it to Jesus. He wants it. He asked you for it. He died for you. Just for you. Each one of us individually. And he loves each one of us individually. We make it hard sometimes, but he loves us anyway. So I just asked in one minute, we're going to get to it, and I swear I'm, I'm wrapping her own up here, Pastor. So we're going to pray, and if that's you today, if that's you that does not know the Lord today, if you were here today and you do not know Jesus, I want you to pray with me, and I want you to ask Jesus for to forgive you, and I want you, don't leave that chair today. Please, please don't. Don't carry that weight. If you've got the weight, if you've got the hurt on your shoulders, if you've got the pain on your shoulders, the worry, the concern, whatever it is, let it go. Don't leave here. I want everybody skipping and whistling when they walk out of here today. Leave here a brand new person. Leave here born again. Because the Bible says you got to be, don't it? That's in there too. I'm going to read something for you. I'll be quick. I promise, Pastor. I'll be quick. Now give me a minute, because as you can imagine, 
I was not prepared. Now, I'll tell you something. You can't see that screen back there, but I thought I was going to be able to read that screen. And if you turn around, you realize what a fool I was. All right, so. If you don't think you can do anything, let me just read this to you. It says, truly, I say, this is Mark 23. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, received it, and it will be yours. So today, when you pray, you ask God for whatever it is. You ask God to take away your burdens. You ask God to save your soul. If you ask it and you believe in Christ, it will be yours. I've seen great things happen. I, we talked to a woman. She was in that storm. Her house got flooded. Front door got blown in. Tree fell in the house. Water's coming in the house. She picked up her things all by herself and booked it out to the front yard and started heading for the street. And what you know what? Somebody pulled up and said, picked her up and her, her boyfriend had a big old truck in Alabama. So you can imagine he had a big old truck. And she hopped up in there. And what you know what? This woman happened to be driving by. They went to the same church. They didn't know each other. Big old church. But here she was, fleeing her house, praying, God, save me, God, save me. Lord, she thought she was going to die. She run out to the street, and one of her church members, God put one of her church members in that big old beautiful truck and pulled up and picked her up and drove her to her sister's house. Because she believed. Just like I believe today that if you ask God, it will be given to you. If you ask, it will be given to you. And if you want a road, if you want to leave it here, leave it here. If you want to be saved today, be saved today. And I hope I ain't stepping out of line, but it's too late because the line's way back there somewhere. We're going to pray. And I want you to pray with me. And I want you to pray with your whole heart. And I want you to ask God and I want you to believe that it will be done for you, because I'm living proof that it will be done for you. I've done a lot of dumb things in my life. Somehow I'm still here. Because God had a plan for me. And I remember the day, not to make it about me, but when I, I asked God to help me and to save me and to change my life, and Lord, he's been working on me ever since. And he gave me this chance today. Let today be that day. Let today be the day that you give up your burdens. Let today be the day you begin your walk. Let today be the first day of the rest of your life, of your new life. Pray. Father God, I just pray for the people here today. I pray that you touch their hearts, Lord. I pray that you give them strength and give them courage, Lord. I pray that if you are touching their heart today, that you make them not afraid. Let them step out of that boat. Let them come to you. Let them take that hand, the hand that you have offered. Let them accept the greatest gift. Let them leave their burdens at the cross today. Let them leave everything at the cross today. Leave the sin. Leave the hurt. Leave the pain. Leave it here. Give it all to you. You can take it. I pray that you help me. Father. I don't have the words. I want to pray for all those people here today. I want to pray that those people here today that are afraid. 
I want to pray for those people here that are stepping out in faith for the very first time. Whether it be accepting your son, whether it be going on a trip, whether it be witnessing to a friend, whatever it is. I want to pray for them and give them strength and give them guidance and let them know that you love them. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for Alabama. I thank you for letting me speak today. I thank you for giving me the words, and I I hope I did it right. I thank you for this church, and I thank you for the Waffle House. Father, I pray that you bless, bless all these people here today. Bless them in their walk. Bless them in their lives. And Father, I just hope, I pray that this is the first day. This is the first day of a new a new life. Father, I thank you for everything that you've given me. Thank you for this opportunity. And I pray that you open that door so I can see me out the window and get down the road real quick. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, John. That was a true blessing. I feel like we should be singing just as I am, but we're going to be singing. We're going to skip Born on that day and do 10,000 Reasons.
John for sharing with us the, this morning and um, I can honestly say it's probably the most action this pulpit has ever received. Uh, maybe I need to take a few lessons from John and I'll start pounding the pulpit. <laughs> Amen. There you go. Well, maybe that's it. Um, but today I wanted to challenge you uh, just for a few moments. Um, I just put together some thoughts in relation to Psalm 103 uh, because we are stepping out of 2020 and into 2021. Uh, this is the last Sunday that we have to, to celebrate, and as we have sung, uh, bless the Lord uh, as a church family corporately. Uh, and so as we think about uh, just who we are and how much God has blessed us, uh, I think as we take a look and we step into a new year, it's always good for us to realize where our focus should be. Uh, and I think Psalm 103 gives us some things, uh, some fodder to, to chew on, to think about, uh, when it comes to uh, blessing the Lord. Um, so what does it mean to bless? Uh, I'm not going to actually take the time to read one, Psalm 103. I do encourage you to do that this afternoon. Uh, I'm going to, to just point out a few things as we you know, take a, a cursory glance uh, at the truth here. Uh, but what it will all boil down to is the fact that we are called to bless the Lord. Uh, so David uses the word blessed, and he always uses it with a sense of dignity. You'll notice there in verse 1, it says, bless his holy name. Uh, David recognizes the holiness of God. He recognizes that without a holiness like God, that he cannot be in the presence of God. He realizes uh, the importance of a right relationship with the God who made him. The thing is, we think about the word bless, there's typically two ways it's used in the Bible in the Old Testament. Uh, One is to endow with beneficial power. Uh, which we don't need to endow God with any power. Matter of fact, we can't because God is almighty. That means he has all power. And matter of fact, any power that exists solely comes from God. So it's not that meaning of the word bless. It's the second one, which means to worship or praise. Uh, and that's what David is bringing forth, something that as we you know, consider uh, our situation, where we are right now on December 27th of 2020, You know, how can we respond to God in such a way where we bless him by worshiping and praising him despite the circumstances of life, despite of what we may find ourselves facing even in this very moment? Things that John spoke of, of of just letting those burdens go, giving them over to the Lord. 
Uh, and the, th- the thing is, you look at Psalm 103, David actually puts forth a call to bless. If you look at verse 1, he puts himself first and foremost. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And so he's saying, you know what? I need to bless the Lord. You know, and David was not a perfect man. We know that scripturally because God shared not only the good things that David did, but also the bad things that he did. But what defined David, what made him a man after God's own heart is the fact that he recognized the importance of blessing the Lord. He says, I bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Again, we see that beautiful picture of of how uh, the the Jewish people in their mind would understand everything that they do enveloped the totality of who they were. You know, why the Lord says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Uh, everything that they are, everything that represents who they are, everything that they do wrapped around this call that David put forth to bless the Lord with his soul and everything, not holding anything back, but giving it all back to the Lord. He says, bless his holy name. But David doesn't just put himself out there. He actually puts an appeal out there and calls on the angels in heaven to bless God. Look at verse 20. He says, bless the Lord, O you angels, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. So not only what we would consider the elect angels, those that belong to God, that do his bidding, that, you know, go forth and fulfill his word in obedience. uh, But also in verse 21, he calls out all the heavenly hosts, all the heavenly creatures. Because notice what it says in verse 21. He says, bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers, who do his will. Okay, so he's, he's including, even amongst that, every heavenly host there is. Which would include, uh, you know, eventually at some point, even the angels that decided to fall with Satan. Satan himself being an angel. Uh, that one day we know every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, and so he's calling on all heavenly creatures uh, to bless the Lord. But then also in verse 22, guess what? He calls on us to worship and bless the Lord because he says, Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Is there any place in the known universe where God does not exercise his dominion? The answer to that question is no. Is there anywhere in the unknown universe, the places we don't know about, that God does not exercise his dominion? The answer to that question is no, there's not. So he is calling on everything that the creator has made to bless his holy name. And David doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't leave it as a generic, you know, calling to bless. He wants you to to really seriously contemplate this for a minute because he gives you a bunch of reasons why. He actually gives you reasons to bless. And this is not an exhaustive list. Uh, And we are going to just very briefly take a look at a few of those for you to whet your appetite to begin that list of 10,000 reasons that I want you to have by next Sunday. I'm not going to check on you. But the point is, is that we do have a lot to be thankful for. We are truly a blessed people. Verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. Well, what are those benefits? Look at verse 3. He is the one who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases. Verse 4. 
He is the one who redeems your life and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Verse 5, he is the one who satisfies you with good. Verses 6 and 7, he is the one who works righteousness and justice and makes known his ways by speaking to life's most pressing issues. Issues like forgiveness, sickness, death, long life, prosperity, injustice, and ignorance. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Verse 9, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Verse 10, he does not deal with, uh, with nor repay us according to our sins. One we should contemplate readily. Verse 11, his steadfast love towards those who fear him is great. Verse 12, he removes our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. Verse 13, the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Verses 14 through 16, God knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. See, the creator God is not removed from his creation. He is not removed from everyone that he has created in his image. Matter of fact, he is right there involved because God, in that almighty power, the power that he gives that only comes from him is the same power that sustains all of life. If God were to cease for one moment, everything would cease. Nothing would exist. And David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Some translations say forget none. We have a tendency to forget. And this past year is a prime example. All I got to do is say the word COVID and thoughts will rush into your mind. Thoughts of pain, thoughts of loss, thoughts of anger, thoughts of restriction. And the fact is, is that there's always going to be something in a life that is going to create a circumstance where it's going to draw your attention away from the focus where it should be. And that's blessing the Lord. As David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He doesn't clarify it by saying when things are going good. He doesn't say it that, you know, do it when you feel like it. This is a call to bless the Lord with with all of who you are, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter how uncertain it may be, no matter what you may be facing, no matter what tomorrow may bring. Tomorrow may be World War III. Tomorrow may be the end of all, where it is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, judgment. We don't know, but God does. Another reason why we should bless him. And the reason why you need to keep track of those blessings is because it is a matter of focus. Because there are going to be negative things to focus on. Now, I always joke with my wife because she tells me I'm a pessimist. I tell her I'm a realist. I see things as they are and I just say it. But the fact is, is that if I'm not careful, that realism can become pessimism. And it can become something that drains me and pulls me down because I allow the circumstances to dictate who I am. Where I should be listening to what David says and bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. See, because the Holy Spirit will use this as a spiritual weapon. Know this. 
when you embrace the truth of who God is and who you are and are obedient to blessing him as you should because you were created to do that. You were created to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's why a life apart from Jesus Christ is so empty, so void, and why man tries to fill it with all kinds of things because we were created with a particular purpose in mind, a heavenly purpose, a beautiful purpose, as ones were created in the image of God. But the Spirit uses that as a spiritual weapon to combat those dark times of temptation when you are on that razor edge, deciding whether or not you're going to obey the truth of the Word of God or are going to disobey it, to turn your back on God and walk away. Maybe some of those things that John spoke of are the fact that, you know, he's done a lot of dumb things. Today was not one of them. He shared from his heart how God used him in a very special way, in a way he never anticipated. And God's most glorious gift, the Waffle House. But even when we start feeling sorry for ourselves, because you can remember, all those things that are not a focus on God are on a focus of ourselves of what we have or what we don't have, uh, what we could be or what we aren't. You know, all those things are things that are a focus away from the one that we should be putting our focus on and blessing. And with this, I close. It reminds me of the, the hymn, Count Your Blessings. It says, so amid the conflict, whether great or small. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a moment because it talks about conflict, whether great or small. Remember, almighty God. Because there will be conflict, both great and small. But our God is the God of the impossible. He is the one who can help you overcome anything with his power and focus on him. Do not be discouraged. God is over all. That speaks to the sovereignty of God. There is no part of the created universe, whether known or unknown by man, where God's dominion does not exist. He is over all. Count your blessings. Angels will attend. That speaks to the fact that God is a giver. You know, those angels that David calls on to bless the Lord, just as he is calling himself to bless the Lord, they are going to attend to us to give us what we need when we need it, to join in that heavenly chorus, to join in that earthly chorus when all of our hearts and our souls and our minds and our strength are all pointed heavenward towards the one who made us. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. And so that verse ends with the truth that God is an encourager, that he is a preserver, and he is a finisher. And yes, we are finishing 2020. And yes, there has been a lot of things to draw our attention away from God. So my call to you today on the last Sunday of 2020, is to not allow missteps or misfocus to dictate 2021. Don't allow the things that you're experiencing now and have been experiencing maybe for the last nine months to overshadow what the God who is the encourager, preserver, and finisher can do. Instead, choose, like David, to bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, we do thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for your word, which is timeless and true. 
We thank you for the ability to bless, that you have opened our eyes to spiritual things, things that the natural man in his sinfulness and as a slave to sin cannot see, cannot enjoy, do not understand, cannot contemplate or meditate upon because it's not part of of, of who he is. But we are thankful because your son Jesus Christ has opened our eyes to the truth that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Lord, I ask that you would work in each life here today, that no matter what has happened in 2020, no matter how bad, no matter what good, that as we look into 2021, that we would look heavenward. Not so that we are no earthly good, because we are still here. You have work for us to do, to be your ambassadors to uh, our, our families, ambassadors to our, our towns, our neighborhoods, uh, and to the world at large, because there are others that in your long-suffering uh, have the opportunity to put their faith and trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. And Lord, we ask too, as we think about the ministries of Samaritan's Purse and uh, just the, the legacy that's there, uh, Lord, we pray that it would always be about the Lord Jesus Christ, 